Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Your Financial Mission. This is the podcast that helps you learn the ins and outs when it comes to the financial planning world and how to best prepare for your financial and retirement future. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Janine Theus. She is, of course, the CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors, your financial commander here on the podcast, serving you throughout Columbia and the Howard County area. You can find us online by going to theuswealthadvisors.com. Janine, thanks for taking the time to join us this time around on the podcast. Looking forward to our conversation today. How you been? Hey, thanks, Walter. It's been great. I think we're in our February thaw. It's going to be 60 degrees today, and I think it was last um, Wednesday. It was five. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll take this any day. (laughs) As as we're recording these, it's been really nice to come out of the uh, cold snap. So we're going to knock out a podcast, and then it's almost pool weather compared to what it was (laughs) recently here, Janine. So what's your temperature? Get the uh, you know get the pools ready because we're hitting 70. (laughs) You know, here here yep. soon. Pretty wild. Well, we've got a great Everybody's show on the way. Everybody's ready for it, I'm sure. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we've got a great show on the way today. We're going to answer some of your questions. It's one of our mailbag editions of the program. We've got a couple of different good topics to dive into as being posed from listeners across the area. Diane's got a question. Paul and Rebecca will also chime in as well on a couple of different topics, including Social Security. Diane's curious about a settlement from an auto accident. And Rebecca is looking at getting an inheritance from her mom and has questions about that. So lots of good things to dive into on the program today, but we want to start it off as we often do by checking out what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. And there was a recent headline, Janine, there was a survey done and Americans were asked what they believe is the biggest threat to the economy. And the answer for more than half of the respondents wasn't interest rates or the growing student loan debt. It was the contentious political climate in D.C. Kind of interesting that that was the response, and I'm curious if you agree that that's the biggest threat to the economy. No, not really. Congress likes to make a lot of noise. There is always contention in Congress. In fact, if folks actually go back in history, almost every single (laughs) couple of years with Congress, there's some contention. It's gotten a little more vocal or I should say it's getting louder because the media chooses to cover it as such. But when you look at what's actually happening in the economy the last couple of years, well, in just January, we had over 300,000 more jobs created. And that stunned everybody, including some of the top economists. They were expecting maybe 158,000 jobs, but instead it's over 300,000. And that's really significant because December and November both created, or the last quarter created you know, a couple hundred thousand um, jobs. So that's really huge. You know, the unemployment rate has dropped significantly. It's the lowest in probably 70 years. It's down in the threes. And housing prices are doing extremely well. We've more than recovered from the 2008 debacle. 
And then lending, what's interesting about lending is not only are people borrowing for their homes, they're borrowing for businesses. Americans had something like $3.8 trillion in loans outstanding in last May. And that's up from 3.7, you know, in 2016. It's pretty significant. And then businesses are borrowing more because they want to expand. So part of all of this, including consumer spending being up, is the reduction in taxes. The tax cuts and policy are what drive the economy. So if you take the shackles off of business in terms of excessive regulations and policies that make it very difficult to operate, you're going to see this huge expansion in the economy, which means businesses are investing and creating jobs. And somebody came in um, more recently and was you know, really worried about things you know, with the last election. And I said, well, wait and see, because what you see in the news is disconnected from what's actually happening in the economy. It's been very significant. And consumer spending for Christmas was off the charts. So there's a lot that's been going on that's maybe not necessarily posted where you're looking, if you will, because the media is not always covering this tremendous economy. And yeah, Congress is contentious, but it's what they do with policy and regulations that affects the economy. Well, that's a great you know? point. So it's Congress will have an impact. That's not what you're saying. Is it's not like politics are not going to have an impact on an economy. Uh, certainly that they are going to. It's just that the contentious nature of it, there's not the link there. Right, correct. So one of the, uh, the biggest concerns, because the media is screaming this, is the trade tariffs issue. And if you're paying attention, China's now coming to the table. A lot of folks were really worried about China being, you know, our biggest debtor and um, are owning a lot of our debt and being a threat. Well, China's economy is collapsing. And I'll be covering some of this in the presentation that I'll be doing on February 11th. But, you know, the fact that we're bringing China to the table to actually reduce our trade deficit is massive for the United States. They were charging us 40% of goods going over to China. And we're, you know, the last trade negotiation reduced it to 15%. And yeah, Trump is telling them, hey, we might bump it up to 25% if you don't come to the table. So there's a lot of very good negotiation going on. You just don't hear it that way. Yeah. And contention, again, doesn't equal, you know, large threat necessarily to the economy. So interesting to take note of that and see that you kind of take the against or the disagreeing opinion there of compared to most Americans in that particular survey that was taken. So thanks for your thoughts on that, Janine. And I think it uh, segues nicely into a couple of good questions that we've got on today's show because we're going to hit on a lot of different points today. So make sure you're listening carefully because we're going to cover a few different examples here from folks that might be in a similar situation to you or someone that you know. Diane has a question. By the way, if you want to submit questions to the show, you can go to TheusWealthAdvisors.com. Diane says, I recently got a very large cash settlement from an auto accident I was involved in, and this will make a big difference in my life because I'm 57 and don't have much saved for retirement. The problem is that because I've done such little investing over the years, I really have no idea where to start. What would you say is the first step I should take? That is a great question because it's one that a lot of people have but are afraid to ask or venture forth and do some due diligence because they really don't know who to trust. And that's really the issue. The first step is to find an advisor to help you with 
the myriad of questions surrounding this settlement, not just, you know, oh, I've got a lot of money that poured into my, uh, you know, onto my books, if you will, or into my account. You definitely want to work with a fiduciary that's an advisor that has your best interest first or places your best interest first legally and not somebody who's going to sell you a product. There are a lot of quote unquote advisors out there and they're basically salespeople and I'm not dinging them except that we do two different things. A holistic advisor is going to look at money coming into your account, but what should you do with it? How should it be invested? What is the best thing for you to do? You know, your spending habits, et cetera. So we can make sure that the money does not disappear too fast. <laughs> and so a lot of people or a lot of salespeople will try to sell you a specific product because all they see is this big lump sum of money and we want to preserve it. Well, really, if you're not familiar with working with a lot of money, then it's easy to be seduced into that thinking rather than what is the combination of products and portfolio that would be a holistic planning for you that's going to work for you long term. So the first step is find the advisor that's a fiduciary. The second step is, you know, getting a little bit educated on investing. You don't have to, you know, know how the watch works, but when you understand kind of the basics of how investments should work, then you want somebody who's going to explain that to you, walk you through it, and you're going to be very comfortable with the plan going forward. Because the biggest thing is now you have a lot of money coming in and you may be suffering from some consequences of the accident. You have to make sure that you can sleep at night with that kind of money coming in. And obviously, a large cash settlement is a little bit relative to your experience. You know, it could be 50,000, could be 500,000. Th- those are completely different problems. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think the other thing to take away here, Diane, is the fact that you're not that far behind the eight ball from an experience standpoint, because most people entering their late 50s, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Janine, but they should be shifting gears and beginning to shift strategy anyway. So it's almost kind of like you are benefiting here because you haven't learned, it's bad to call them bad habits, because good investing through the majority of your life is a good habit, don't get me wrong, but you almost have to unlearn some of those things when you're accumulating all that money growing up and going through your working life. When you get closer to retirement, there actually is a mindset shift that a lot of people struggle with. You might be able to just kind of bypass that struggle. Exactly right. I mean, if you get with the right advisor fit, the person is going to go through all of this with you and then talk about, you know, longevity, the different types of risks that you face going into retirement. And, you know, whether you decide to retire at 60, maybe this settlement is going to help you do that, or you're going to have to wait till 65. What are all the repercussions for that? And if you haven't saved a lot, well, depending on your circumstances, I can't really say shame on you, but (laughs) because a lot of people have not saved a lot. But this is a gift, if you will, you know, into your ability to have a better life going forward. And what we don't want to have happen is it gets taken away either through some kind of fraud or some, you know, getting stuck in the wrong type of quote unquote product. Yeah, it's a great point. Really good question, Diane. Thank you very much for submitting that one to us. I have a feeling we're going to have a little bit different type of question, but something that will resonate with the same chords coming up in a bit from Rebecca. But first, let's squeeze in this question from Paul. Paul is very uh, frank with himself, it sounds like. He says, I guess I should have known better, but for some reason I was under the impression that I wouldn't have to pay taxes on my Social Security benefits. Now I know better. 
but it seems like some people pay more than others. So how does this all work? Well, I don't fault you for not knowing that your Social Security is taxable. Most people do not know that. And it's not exactly in the fine print in your Social Security statement either. So the reason some folks may pay more is that they may be above the earnings threshold for when Social Security is taxable. So for couples, that threshold's $44,000. So if you have other income coming in or distributions from your different retirement plans, um, or you have a pension, that will affect your Social Security benefits. And depending on where you are, a piece of your Social Security benefit is going to be taxed at 50%, and then the remaining amount over a certain amount is going to be taxable at 85%. So if to be really clear, it's not saying they're going to tax you at 85%. That's not what happens, but it's more of your Social Security is taxable. And so the more you earn, the more income you have in retirement, the more of the Social Security is taxable. And that's something that a lot of people miss. And we're talking about significant amounts there. I mean, from zero to, what, 85%, you said? I mean, this is a big difference. Right. So 85% of your benefit. So if you have, you know, $3,000 coming in a month, which means you were at the top wage threshold, you know, for the last several years, or you've waited till 70 to take your Social Security benefit, well, first it'll be 50%, and then, then between 50 and 80, not to get too technical, but well, it's blended rate, basically. But it just means more of the Social Security is taxable, so they calculate that in depending on what your other income is. And we have some software that can help you figure it out. But the bottom line is Uncle Sam does want part of that money back. And I guess it's too late for Paul to really do anything about it at this point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, once you um, start receiving it or... I mean, you can do some type of Social Security planning where less of your Social Security is taxable, but you have to do that fairly early. I would say probably in your 50s, begin to start doing kind of Roth conversions. So less of the money is taxable that's coming out of retirement plans, et cetera. But for most people, it's just going to be a fact of life. Yeah. And, you know, if you've got a very large IRA or large IRA 401k amount, you can bet that more of your social security is going to be taxable and that's just the way it is. Good for you. You have more money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paul, so, it sounds like it would be a good idea for you to get a review of your overall financial plan since this thing with the social security got overlooked a little bit and a little bit of pre-planning would have helped you maybe, you know, it may have been the same situation, how it all worked out, but you also may have had some other options or additional moves that you could have made before electing to take social security. So maybe worth getting your entire financial plan looked at to make sure that there aren't other areas of opportunity that you can act on before it gets too late, before you pass certain deadlines where you can't undo certain financial decisions. If you want to reach out to Janine, you can do that on the website at theuswealthadvisors.com. We've got the appropriate links in today's show notes. If you want to look on your podcasting app or on the website, you can certainly get in touch there. Or you can call 443-718-6311 to reach Janine directly. 443-718-6311 is the number to call to reach the office. All right, last question here, Janine. It comes to us from Rebecca. Rebecca says, unless something goes horribly wrong... I should be getting a sizable inheritance from my mom. She's currently 90 years old and in declining health. Is it unwise for me to factor that inheritance into my retirement planning? Well, unwise, no. It's good to factor any potential income into your retirement planning, and we would have to discuss what you were specifically thinking. 
about what your retirement income might be. And the horribly wrong part is certainly worth considering because there is potential for the inheritance to be challenged depending on how she has set up her estate and the estate documents. I have a case right now where someone was going to be inheriting money from an aunt. A number of members in the family were going to inherit this money. And then a long ago boyfriend or friend of the aunt has contested the will. And so is expecting to get a considerable amount, has taken it through the courts. They've been fighting it for two years. So, you know, before you count the dollars that might be coming your way, take a look at what is actually happening with the estate plan, with her estate plan, her wills and estate documents, because you might have to plan to go to court. And that would substantially reduce or could substantially reduce any inheritance you have. If you get the sizable inheritance, fantastic. Yes, you should plan for it and you want to make sure it's done correctly so it lasts your lifetime. Very important point there. Yeah, very important. Very interesting to kind of look at that scenario. I suppose this is where family communication comes you know, very much into play. Have you had these conversations with your mom? Has she been able to kind of keep you along with the planning process? Have you had that kind of open relationship or has it been more of a just a, an unspoken promise? I guess each of those things comes with a different level of expectation and level of guarantee, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And a lot of, you know, people from the World War II generation and even somewhat after that, very, very reluctant to talk about money with family. You know, there's a pride issue. There's a, you know, you just don't talk about money with family. And so a lot of things get put in place with good intention that end up to be a disaster. So it's really unfortunate if you can gently discuss these issues, depending on how forthcoming, you know, your mom is, just to make sure that things are fair. Not, I don't want to say fair, because that's never, it's never fair. <laughs> but what is it? You know, what is her intent? What is she trying to do? And is the money actually coming to you? It's really nice to say, oh, grandma's got a million dollars, and she's going to split it between the three of us, or mom has a million dollars or whatever, and she's going to split it between the three of us. Might not happen that way unless you've actually seen the documents. Yeah. So it's good. So rather than just going right ahead with your planning, you know, assuming that this is a done deal, you might want to double check on the documents to make sure that what the intent was is actually happening. Yeah. And I suppose we shouldn't assume, you know, exactly what's going on with Rebecca's mom from a health standpoint here. But and maybe this isn't just replying to Rebecca's, but for anybody who's kind of maybe counting on that or planning on that. You know, we're coming a long way every single day with medical advancements just because you think somebody might be <laughs> nearing the end of their time. Yeah, exactly. People are far outliving <laughs> expectations in many cases these days. Yeah, they are. And so, you know, that expectation of depending on your age difference, my parents are very young when they had all of us kids. And so I don't I wouldn't have to wait too long, but <laughs> but we're getting older, too. So if there's a very significant age gap, then it's interesting how people view this, you know, oh, I have more time to wait. Well, I don't have enough time to wait <laughs> kind of a thing. So it helps if you have that conversation to make sure that what you think is going to happen is actually going to happen yeah. before you start spending down things. If I mom mean, and dad live, you know, 10, 15 years longer than you are anticipating in your financial plan, that's going to cause some problems. 
Exactly right. And if they end up in some kind of assisted living, that's going to affect your financial Ooh, yeah. Planning. Then soaks down. Maybe they haven't planned well, and uh, it soaks down all of those savings that were going to go to you. I'm sure you've seen situations like that before. Absolutely. And just talked with a couple of people that that's exactly what's happening. You know, they, the siblings don't want to take dad out of the facility because he really likes it there but he's just spending, it's costing a fortune every month. So he is absolutely going to spend down his assets. And, you know, if you can't get your siblings on board, that's a problem. (laughs) I go, well, then, and she said, what happens at the end when he's out of money? I go, then a lot of facilities will let him stay there, but what they do is they give him a Medicaid bed because now he's on government assistance. And it's a little bit different depending on the assisted living center. So if you're expecting an inheritance, you have to look at all these other parameters that may affect the inheritance. Mm. So many different layers. Which will then affect layers. your plan. <laughs> yeah, different layers to consider there. But uh, if you're in a situation like this, maybe not the one that we described with Rebecca, but maybe it's with Paul. You're not quite sure how much in taxes you're going to be paying on your Social Security. Did you think it was zero? Did you not realize that you could pay up to 85% you know, on your social security benefits, pay taxes on that money. Uh, Or maybe it's a question like Diane's. Have you come into a lump sum recently? Have you ever had to deal with that in life before? A lot of people haven't. Maybe that's obvious, but a lot of people haven't all of a sudden had this large influx of cash or of money. And what do we do with it to make the most out of it? How can I be a good steward of that money, of those, uh, that element of my finances. If you've got questions like that or anything related to your financial planning or retirement world, do feel free to give Janine a call and she can walk through these different situations and scenarios with you, much like we do here on the podcast, having conversations about how to best plan for the future, taking into account all of the different moving parts of your situation and getting a plan together. If you'd like to set up that time to meet, I'll mention it again. It's theuswealthadvisors.com. Listen to past episodes of the show there. Get in touch with Janine. Find out more about the team, theuswealthadvisors.com. And you can also call and begin the conversation that way. 443-718-6311 is the number. That's 443-718-6311. Janine, thanks for walking us through all these different questions on the program today. And we'll look forward to another good conversation with you on the next podcast. Thanks so much, Walter. It was great talking with you. It was great chatting with you as well. And I can actually give you a little preview of what we're going to talk about on the next edition of Your Financial Mission. We're going to talk about the ups and downs, the upsides and downsides of being an informed consumer. When is knowing a lot knowing too much? We'll talk a little bit about that coming up on the next edition of the podcast, plus much more. Be sure to join us then. Don't forget to subscribe as well. We're on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere you can find podcasts. If for some reason you find an app or have a favorite one that we're not listed on, let us know and we'll get it listed there so you can access it using your favorite apps. Again, this is Walter Sorholt for Janine Theus. We'll talk to you next time on Your Financial Mission. Your Financial Mission.